0: Welcome to Swimming in True Crime, I am your host, Renee Davidson. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a thanks to Madonna Humphrey who I was able to get in touch with and talk about this case. I had spent a couple of days chatting with her through email just to get to know a little bit more about Miss Wood's case. I do want to apologize for pushing this episode out. Um, some personal events happened and I needed to step away due to my health. But alright, let's get moving and let's talk about Missy Wood. On December 1st, 1994, 19-year-old Manisa Wood had been abducted from Vogel World Parking Lot in Fort Smith, Arkansas. To close friends and family, she was known as Missy. She was a student at Westark Community College, where she she was studying to become a dental hygienist. Westark is now known as the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. She was working part-time at a local dentist office, where she left around 5.45 p.m. on December 1st. She then went home to change into something more comfortable, and between 6.30 and 7.00 p.m. she arrived at Bowling World. She had planned on surprising her mother for dinner that night, and since they had an argument that morning. Since it was a Thursday, Missy occasionally met with her mother on the nights her mother bowled on the meet. Unfortunately, Missy never made it inside to meet her mother. From the looks of it, the evidence that was found at the crime scene, it had appeared that went had struggled against her abductor. There was blood found next to her car, as well as her car keys. Over the next several weeks, friends, family, and the Fort Smith community passed close to 6,000 flyers. Everyone was determined to find Missy. And led an to investigators to interview hundreds of people, including sex offenders. mrs' body was found six weeks later, nude and lifeless. She was found in the Ozark National Forest near Turner's Bend by two hunters. To this day, the clothes that went wore when she was abducted never been found. And while I was talking to Miss Humphrey, I was talking to a couple of individuals who knew Missy personally. Jasmine and Danielle Lockwood lived lived down the road where Witt was living at, and Witt often often came to their house to teach Danielle gymnastics. When I I was talking to Danielle about the Missy Witt case, she said, I've always considered her one of my childhood idols. She was the first cheerleader I knew, and that helped spark my interest in cheerleading. I don't really remember having a big outward emotional response, but I wasn't really the type to show my emotions at that time. It just seemed real to me for the longest time. Even when her body it was found it still didn't seem real. And of course, at that time, I was on the the Northside High School cheer team, and we were on our way to regional when it came over the radio that she had been found. Again, like I said earlier, it was just surreal, and it's still hard. Even though it's been 20-plus years later, it's still hard to comprehend this all. You know, with it being passed over. End quote. And then, when I was talking to Jasmine, she said, quote, When I was new, she would teach us flips or cheers. She was only just a few years older than me. Knowing we got, more became acquaintance. She was, also, she, she was always friendly with me and my sister. When she was found, I, I cried. And then when she went missing, I was scared and sad. My sister had enough to go to a church function. When my sister and the T.E.A.R. team went on to uh, the T.E.A.R. function, I had called her to let her know that Missy's body was found, end quote. And when I was talking to Miss Humphreys, uh, I had asked how she got involved with Witt's case. She told me she had involved in true crime over the last couple decades. She is most interested specifically in missing adult cases. When she looked into Missiewicz's case, something within the case just pulled out her heart straight. She's now been working on this case for six years now and doesn't plan on giving up anytime soon until the team that she's with finds who did this. Today's episode really hit close to home with me. The twins who provided their statement for this case that I covered have asked me to keep their identities covered. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I do apologize what the episode coming out made. If you want, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and if you would like to suggest any cases, feel free to email me at crime at gmail.com. Again, my email is crime at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Swimming Into True Crime. Take it easy, be safe, and I'll see y'all next time.